All right. It's a dreary day here, May 1st, 2020, here in uh, in the podcast situation room with Tim Richards, Equipment Supervisor, Eric Ritchie, VP Ops New England, and Kevin Gordon, our Workforce Advancement Director. We're going to talk through some equipment, some uh, a little bit of estimating, mid-calendar stuff. We're going to talk about workforce development and... Uh, at the end of this, we're going to have a guessing game. We're going to name a piece of equipment, and you can text in what you think that piece of equipment costs brand new. We're also going to have a little little safety talk and some shout-outs at the end. So I'm going to start with, with estimating, talk about a couple bids this week. We had the Holton Airport bid earlier, and I believe we were second on that. Is that correct? That is correct. We were yeah. second. Soderberg up in Caribou took that job. Millinocket, battery storage, we don't have word back on that, I don't believe. Rockwood, Brassway Lake, slope repairs, put a price in on yesterday. Yesterday. Same thing, we'll be a while here and back, yep. private opening. I know Pat Dubay has a meeting with uh, with Brookfield, who's the owner. Uh, we bid Myers Cave, Virginia, Shenandoah Airport, which we were the low bidder on. I believe that was about one point six million. So kudos to Aaron Tidd on that. Yeah, and a narrow, a narrow gap. Very narrow. Place. Yeah, like sixteen thousand dollars. Yeah, a great bid by Aaron. Great yeah, job. Yeah, that's the price of a bundle of grade stakes. Eastport Airport, Stormwater. We were the low and only bidder. We understand that that might be over budget. I think our price was about six hundred thousand, right? Yeah, we were six hundred ninety-five thousand. Uh, the engineer had about five hundred thousand budgeted for the project, but it's uh, it's also phase one. Before it leads into a bigger job they have. Yep. So we'll okay. we'll stay optimistic for now. Okay. Quite often we have an opportunity to sit down with them and review scope. and That's what we hope. Uh, today we have the Bitterford Airport going in, uh, runway reconstruction at 11 o'clock. So we can't report on that yet. Nice job. Yeah. Tight timeline, but uh, it's the type of job that we thrive on. Uh, the tight timelines are the ones that we really like. Absolutely. So going into next week, we have nothing on Monday. Uh, we bid some work. At, we will be bidding some work at Tamworth, New Hampshire, for Club Motorsports. Some site work for the new building. You might recall that's the project we did a few years ago, the uh, Formula One track. And moving ahead on May eighth, we have a project in Glens, Virginia, a Mid Pen Landfill Cell. Uh, moving ahead to May twelfth, Lincoln Airport runway reconstruction. We're hoping that's the actual bid date. That's been pushed twice now. So. Yeah. Hopefully that's reality. Nice, nice project. Uh, again, typical airport job that it could go late this fall. It could go next spring. So it would be a, a nice thing for the backlog and the right time of year for us. Yep. On the 13th, we have Willard Orr Bridge Replacement in Bangor, Belfast. We have uh, Sheldon and Goose River Box Culverts. Those are both for MDOT or one's to the city, one's to MDOT. Yeah, the Willard Orr Bridge is uh, to the city. It's a uh, a pedestrian bridge in downtown Bangor might be a nice winter job by the looks of the timeline. And yep. the uh, DOT Belfast projects, two box culverts, a honey of a little job, really. Uh, it's uh, got a very flexible timeline to it, November 2021 completion. So we could pretty much pick and choose when we would get out there and do it. And then uh, another job in Biddeford on May 15th, uh, York County Judicial Center site work. Uh, and then besides that, we have a we have a price in to the University of Maine to Consigli for the new engineering building. We have not heard 
uh, definitively where we stand on that, but we hope to hear something in the next week or so. The signs seem to be positive, but yeah. until the ink is dry on a contract, you never fully uh, try and put it in the back pocket, that's for sure. Okay, so uh, that's the bid results and what's coming up for the bid. I want to talk a little bit about I've had Steve Perry, our business development director, and Aaron Tidd is our estimator down in, down in Ashland in the Mid-Atlantic. And those two guys have been working diligently to get a uh, spreadsheet put together that will allow us to really view our pipeline of work. When I say pipeline, I mean the work that we see coming up. Uh, that's like anything we know about. Whenever we hear about a project, we put it on the pipeline. Uh, we'll be assigning a you know a probability whether it's going to be built or not, uh, but really looking hard at the pipeline and hope to hope to narrow that all down. It's it's kind of a process these guys are working on, and uh, hope to narrow that down and really have a good handle on that in the next uh, next two to three weeks. Uh, not to say we haven't always had a handle on the pipeline. We've always, but we're trying to look at it a little bit differently to help us give a little bit be- little bit better vision going forward. I think it's always been a good watch list, Herb, but um, instead of being a watch list now, it's really a planning tool, especially heading into what looks to be some difficult economic times in the next couple of years. It's going to be important to know what's real and what's out there and, yeah. and what we should be attacking. So appreciate Steve and Aaron putting it together. I think it's going to be a very handy tool for us to use. Kevin, you've had a handle on, on that. You've been put into that pipeline years ago in your former role, right? You yeah. guys chase projects. And oh yeah, kept yeah. track of them. Definitely, it's not the not the easiest thing, but no. definitely uh, appreciate the guys doing it and trying to sort out what's real and what's not. And, exactly. Yeah. And uh, okay, well, so we're talking about the pipeline. In that respect, a lot of what we do in the equipment world depends on what the pipeline looks about, looks like. So I want to talk to Tim Richards a little bit about the the pipeline, uh, about the equipment role. First, I guess I just want to talk to him about what his role is, how long he's been here. You've been here a while because I can remember, um, (laughs) and I I think it was 1985, you caught me greasing my truck. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) You want to to go ahead and explain that a little bit further or Uh, just leave it right there? No, well, if you want it. Go ahead. So back in... Like Herb said, 85, the fall of 85, I was a shop mechanic, and uh, I was asked to uh, go over to Bingham and pick up young Herb Sargent, who had kind of had a little episode the day. That day, had flipped his truck over coming out of the job site. So that was my first encounter with Herb, meeting him. Had to pick him up and bring him back so he could get another company vehicle to use. So So my recollection, it may be wrong, well, I know it was icy. It was extremely icy. It was like freezing rain coming yeah. down. It was, I mean, everywhere. I was maybe maybe hot-footing a little more than I should have. <laughs> um, and then I went off the road, and, and the truck was on its side. And right. As I recall, you came up, and I was greasing the truck. Yeah. Because I hadn't <laughs> got access to it. <laughs> Sounds like an ideal time. I didn't want to waste the time, right? Yeah. So. I'm not sure too many people are going to be surprised by that, Herb. About me greasing the truck? Or going off the road. <laughs> I think it was a small Dodge pickup, wasn't it? Yeah, Dodge D50. Yep. Well, anyways, we got that. We got through that. So, talk a little bit about more about where you've been in the company and in your current role. Yeah. Uh, so back in '85, I started with the company as a shop mechanic, and 
up through till 94 or 95, I was asked to be the shop foreman, and I took that position. And back in 2003, I was asked to uh, assume the role of uh, equipment uh, supervisor. And I took that role on, and then a couple of years later, Herb bought the company, and things have been good ever since, real good. So Here we are. Here we are. So you've got a few operations underneath you down there. You got yes. you got the shop itself, which yes. is run by Eric, Eric Gifford. Eric Gifford oversees a shop in the quarry maintenance operation. Uh, Will Blanger is our field foreman, oversees the field mechanics and everything that happens in the field for repairs or breakdowns. And Red Rancourt uh, takes care of the fab shop where we do the Wimmer bucket building and our fabrication work there for outside customers as well as we run the transportation department out of the out of our department as well nick Flune handles that with his drivers and bobby leland does a small tool tool shed and takes care of that and supplies the jobs with small tools so one sense i've always gotten and this goes back since you know i was introduced to the company is this whole the whole culture around the shop is we want to be the heroes to the people in the field. Correct. And when you get a call from the field, the the machinations you'll go through to get the field request filled has really been something. To, you'd never know that if you didn't spend time around Stillwater. Correct. Uh, our guys are ready to go at any time. We're there to support the jobs and operations so they can get the, get the jobs done and get what they need and keep it going. Real good crew that uh, that supports it in that way. Well, and you lead them well too, Tim. So if I, if I could jump in you. here, Herb, I know like uh, um, I think it was Caleb out in uh, Walpole last year. I mean, obviously he's right out there with the crews, right? Right. And um, and when I was out there, he was running loader. He was uh, doing a bunch of other stuff, helping the crews out, set the, the barriers up, and get the the, uh, the transitions for traffic and stuff. It was just pretty impressive how they jump in and they do this on all the jobs. If they can help out, they're out there helping out, and it's pretty impressive. And and, and the guys really appreciate. People really appreciate it in the field too. So, well, it's Kevin, awesome. I've I've got to echo that. That uh, I appreciate Tim and his whole group down there and what they do. They've been uh, nothing but supportive of anything from the operational side. And when I first came on here at Sergeant Materials, everyone here greeted me with open arms. But Tim certainly did, and we had a lot of conversations about the equipment on that side and what we could do to improve. And they've just been great. And Tim himself juggles. So much. It sounds like, you know, he just laid out four or five things there, but there's so much that goes into each and every one of those, and he does it with a professionalism and ease. Well, he rode up here on a unicycle spinning plates on top hey, of stairs. Yeah, pretty much did. I mean, when we need something, he gets it for us, and, uh, you know, he never never bats an eye. And, uh, you know, you mentioned some of the mechanics helping out and stuff too. Whether they're driving mixer truck or they're out there doing those type of things on a job, um, they just – we've got a wonderful entity up there that provides a lot of support. It's, it's greatly appreciated. Yeah. Well, the crew that I have, really good crew, makes it easy, my job easy. So, in the past several years, we've we've uh, sold off a lot of the company's equipment, and we we began in the early part of the 2010s to run equipment a little bit longer than we had, but more recently we've sold off a lot of equipment, and the idea behind that was because we could we could rent it, what we felt like was as economically as we could as we could buy it, uh, but. More recently, we've we've bought a few pieces of equipment. I think it's seven. So I just want to talk about why we're buying equipment now. Well, right now, Herb, I mean, 
it it just fits us. And like you said, we're we've purged some older pieces off the line now and gone out this winter and made acquisitions uh, with this equipment. Um, kind of gives us a sense of having uh, solid pieces out there in the field right now, or key pieces that we need. And I, th- I think more of a sense of ownership too. Correct. I mean, we well, do own oh, definitely. it. I know there's there's pluses and minuses to renting and owning, and, and we're trying to balance it. In the past, we always owned about 65% of what we ran for equipment uh, and 35% rented, and more recently, that's been reversed. It's been about 35% owned and 65% rented. Oh, Tasha's walking in. I wonder what she's got. Oh, that's a good piece of news. We're going to get at that a little bit later. Actually, I'm going to say it right now. Gerald French this year is celebrating 50 years with the company. Let's see wow. if I get the right button. We <laughs> did. 50 years. Congratulations, Gerald. Yes. 50 years, May 1st, 1970, when I was seven years old, just to make that clear, uh, Gerald French started working for this company. 50 years. I got to give that another one. That's one of the things I love about Tasha. She knows exactly the appropriate time to to bring things up and when to stand down. Her timing does seem better than mine. I can definitely say that. It's well, uh, yeah. Hearing the uh, 50, yours leaves, leaves a little bit to be desired. <laughs> the fifty-year thing, though. Uh, congratulations, Gerald. And you know, we're sitting in the trying to think of how you just worded that when we started the podcast. Yeah, Radio Central. Radio Central, <laughs> an undisclosed bunker in Stillwater, Maine, but it's. Uh, We've got a, the plaque up on the wall here that uh, has a list of names of people that have been here from 20 to 40 years, and I was looking at yeah. it before it started, and that's one of the great things about this company is just the longevity of a lot of people. It's impressive. It really is. It sure is. And that's, you know, we talk about equipment, and it's very important, but this is a good time to say, to point out that, you know, one of my grandfather's abiding beliefs is great equipment is great, but it's useless in the hands of somebody that doesn't know how to Absolutely. use it or manage Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So... Thanks to Gerald and all the yes. people he's led over those 50 years. We have purchased a few pieces of equipment. We want to get back yeah. into ownership. We want to go back to reverse and get back to maybe 50-50. But we are probably going to be longer getting there than, than I had hoped just because of the economic out- outlook. We probably won't be buying a lot of equipment. But can you just, Tim, share with us the pieces that we've picked up this year? So this year we picked up a new D5 Cat dozer, uh, LGP Herb, and to make it clear, that is now what we know as a D6N. LGP is now called a D5. It's CAT's new numbering system. So it's, so it's a it's, D6 that identifies as a D5? Correct. Correct. And that's about 20 horsepower more, and it's about 2,500 pounds heavier than the so we D6N. Were, we were meeting with the dealer down in Virginia last fall, yeah. and he said that the current D3 or the current D3 last year was going to become the D1. Correct. And we also picked up two 330 CAD excavators. Uh, those will have our, have they currently have our Wimmer system on them. Uh, we built three buckets and for those machines. We picked up the uh, Link Belt 250 uh, excavator as well as a 350 Link Belt. And that comes, stems from us having some rentals with uh, heavy machines that run, has a Link Belt line over the last two or three years. 
and we've had really good success with those machines and the operators and people like them and they've also been purchasing some buckets and couplers from us over the last couple of years yeah they've been our biggest customer right they have yeah a great customer we also picked up two uh, l90h uh, volvo loaders uh, to uh, replace a couple of the 938s that we had those. And did, did we buy a machine down in the Mid-Atlantic, too? Uh, in the end of last year, we picked up a 326 cat down there. We'd had that on rent. We'd right? had it on rent. Uh, so not to forget the Mid-Atlantic, right. we're going to keep working and try to yep. try to repopulate that with some owned equipment, but Correct. we're going to do this slowly. Yes. I like the fact that some of this new equipment already comes plumbed up for GPS and everything, too. Correct. Tim, I thought that was a... Nice added feature to what dealers are doing now. Yeah, and, and we did actually, we, we've been pretty scarce about putting GPS on excavators, but we did set one up, right? Uh, actually, we've got one set up and <clears throat> one new have, set up and one old set up. Yeah, yep. we're going to yep. have a couple setups going this year and, and trying to push that side of it. We've got a couple jobs that it makes sense to have yep. that type of equipment. So we, we're going to start forcing that technology a little bit and, and seeing where it goes. I don't, that GPS doesn't take the place of a good grade stake, though, does it, Kevin? <laughs> I don't see so many grade stakes, that's for sure. Yeah. I will say that it is pretty nice to have that GPS on equipment. I, and, I uh, bet there won't be as many grade stakes driven this summer as you did in one week in a Rousek in 1988. Probably not, probably not. That, <laughs> that's okay, though. Well, they're, they're so, probably more productive, though. So, uh, I don't know about that. So we've got, uh, you know, some new equipment coming online. I believe most of it's already in. It's all here. In, all in, and most of it's working. Correct. You know, that's on the jobs here, working mostly in New England with a piece down in down in Virginia uh, in the operations role. So, t- uh, Eric, you got any thoughts on uh, just kind of high-level thoughts on New England operations? Uh, sure. We're, uh, um, as we mentioned almost every week, grateful to be working and uh, right now, we're, we're probably back to about 99% capacity in terms of having people back to work. Uh, our planning meeting yesterday, we brought a, another round of people back, and uh, we're, we're almost there. And, and really sort of looking at our workload, we're, it's kind of different than in past years. We're almost hitting our peak starting the season out. Uh, we've got a lot of work right now to start the spring out. And in probably six weeks' time, once we get some jaws behind us, it'll be a nice transition to start off on some fresh work. Um, so I'm, I want to jump in and thank everybody who's just coming back on. Number one for their patience. It, this has been a difficult season, and then you know I, everyone knows, it seems like we're we've been somewhat insulated from the coronavirus in in a work sense. But I really want to thank them for the patience. Number one, and everybody in the crew for their for the willingness to come to work because I know a few weeks ago it was kind of, kind of touch and go whether you know. People wondered if it was safe to go to work, and we've tried to make it so that it was, and and everybody's jumped in and done well. And and maintained a real positive attitude, and I know Kevin will touch upon that. He's been out there a, a lot more than either Herb or I have had time to get out there and, and seeing a lot of things. So, uh, you know, right now we're working anywhere from, uh, from Eastport to Old Town to the Portland area to Rumford down to Walpole, New Hampshire, and everything in between. So and you've had... A little bit of activity up in Caribou. We've had a, a tiny bit of activity in Caribou, and uh, one of the nice things about the backlog that we have is we're able to sort of ebb and flow some work. So uh, yesterday, as we were talking about some demands in certain areas uh, to get projects accomplished, we're able to take a job like Caribou and maybe push it off an extra week before we get started. Yep. Kind of have that Good. type of uh, type of ability, and the ops team is doing a great job of trying to evaluate that stuff. I give all the ops managers a lot of credit. 
Um, above and beyond that, we've got uh, the sergeant material side of things. The, the road postings have been lifted in most areas, so uh, concrete's in almost full force, uh, really kicking the season off. And the asphalt side, uh, they're firing the plant up next week and uh, ready to sell to customers. And beyond the, the typical repairs and some sergeant corp guys, I'll give a shout out to uh, Keith Wassons and, and you know some of those guys. Uh, Jake Stevens went over and helped out with repairs, but... Ed Barnes and Dustin and Donnie have had some other projects this year, putting a new asphalt tank in that just came this week and a new dust system on the plant. Yep. So I uh, was looking for a good season there again. And working hard, a lot of help from the from the welding shop yes. as well. Yes, we've had a crew down there helping. And that just highlights again what a great resource the, the shop, the whole shop is. And uh, the welding shop particularly gets involved in, in actually – you know, in the past, construction on yes, jobs. So absolutely. Great, and in, in the last team. thing, the, uh, the the quarry's been up and running. We're ahead of our production there this year from last year. And, again, uh, you know, Tim's side of thing was a big help in getting that up and going, uh, starting the season off early. So, really, we're just kicking things off, but it's busy. We're looking for some more people. Heather's been uh, helping us get some folks on board, looking for truck drivers, looking for laborers, operators, everything in between. I certainly encourage the folks that are listening to this. I've said it before, we're all HR people. If you know people that want to come to work, bring them our way. Yep. And uh, it's, we, we gladly take them. The, we, we can use all the help we can get. Uh, we we yes. certainly can, and we all need to pitch in with that effort to, to keep the place strong. And, you know, the other thing that I want to say from a, a higher level of operations that I've liked that I've seen going on is there's a, a lot of sharing of information, uh, whether it's through different platforms that we have on Teams or Basecamp, uh, there's been sharing of near misses and keep doing that guys really really appreciate you sharing those things because it helps us all learn but there's a lot of good things happening in the field from a mentoring side of things really starting to have that take hold uh, with our folks which is only going to make us stronger and help us all manage up a little bit uh, versus manage down and uh, I'm just very optimistic about this upcoming season it's it's got its challenges we got a few jobs that are challenging us at the moment but so, That's so part of the fun. A big piece of that managing up and managing the right way is is the mentoring that we've got going on. Absolutely. And so that's a good opportunity to swing this over to Kevin and talk to him a little bit about about his role. So I just, uh, Kevin, you you and I started working together, I think, in 1983 in Essex Junction, Vermont. Yep, we yep, were that's putting in sewer about 25 feet deep. It was, and, it was very deep. Yeah, on Coos's Curl. Yeah, and it was. It was running sand, right? It was, it was sand was like water. It was, yeah. So if there's a little seam in between the sheets, yep. uh, outside the box, you'd get six yards of sand would pile in there in no time. Yep. And then uh, I was at a severe disadvantage because you two, you and your brother Doug, <laughs> being Gordons the way you are, are complete bulls. And and, uh, and it would be okay. Let's see who can shovel the most in thirty seconds. Yep. Or something. And I couldn't even shovel 30 seconds. <laughs> All right, you did better but than you so, yourself credit for. So we probably had enough stories about, you know, Herb's younger days so far. So we, let's just keep it between, like, six and five. Okay, that, that's fair. That's fair. But just talk a little bit about, about your well, you know, duration experience with the company, yeah, various roles. First, Herb, I'd like to go back to, um, you know, Eric mentioned attitudes um, and out in the field there and stuff. And I've been on three different projects the last three weeks. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, the attitudes are great. Everybody's got a, you know, a, a positive attitudes and helpful. And the morning meetings are fun to sit through and listen to because everybody's talking about what's going to happen on the day and how we can, how we can do it the best we can. It's awesome. And also um, on equipment there, I know 
the crew takes a ton of pride in the equipment that Tim and the guys put out there for them and, and the way and try to keep it as best they can. Coming through last night from uh, from uh, the jet port, I uh, coming from the jet port, I um, I saw the equipment lined up on West Gardner, and it's, it does my heart good to see all of our equipment lined up, looking neat and nice. And people, how many people see that? It's awesome. It's a great so I, job. So I, got, I actually got a text message from Bruce Hubbard, who was a superintendent for us back in the late '70s and early '80s, and this guy knows his stuff. And he sent me a text message yesterday. He said it's a it's a pleasure driving by this job and seeing the equipment lined up. So people notice the stuff. Yeah, definitely. It's it's nice riding through West Gardner. There, I mean, the job's cleaned up. It looks good, and yeah. you can see the pride in it. Yeah, they're doing a great job, as as, as a lot of the other jobs are as well. So, um, I basically, when I graduated from high school, I started with a company as a laborer herb uh, while I was going to college, and then uh, when I graduated from college, I I hired on as a trainee foreman. And I uh, worked my way up through the ranks to uh, eventually a superintendent and then an area manager. And then uh, uh, four and a half years ago, you came to me and you actually took me to took me to lunch. And uh, I knew that uh, was going to come up. That's, that's the first sign. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't go to lunch with her. But anyways, uh, you uh, you floated out the idea of uh, me maybe uh, moving over into this role of uh, workforce advancement. And uh, so um, so yeah, I've been doing that for four and a half years now. And um, it's, it's been an evolution for sure. Um, we started out with an idea of what we thought was going to work as far as um, what we call Sergeant Construction Academy and working with students and the durations and stuff. And that's evolved every single year. And uh, in fact, up to this year, with the current situation we have going on, going on we've decided that um, since we can't get into the schools um, and, and talk to students and stuff like that, that um, we're probably going to take a year off from having the actual long training of uh yeah we can't weeks. we can't recruit exactly we and can't then recruit. also we can't get into hassan virtues where they've been housed yeah, so there's, there's, a, there's a lot of challenges there which is which is okay because it's actually making us look at this a little differently i wonder if we maybe should change it a little bit and what does work and what, yeah. is, what can we how can we make it better just like we asked the, the field to always be looking to improve you know, five ten percent or whatever we do the same here, just like the office does the same thing in, in uh, workforce development. We do the same thing. We're always trying to make it better. So well, I think the, the current challenges that we have, you know, as you've mentioned with the housing and with just getting out there to see kids, uh, yeah. it was disappointing to get to that point that we had to even start talking about canceling the academy for the mm-hmm. year. But uh, what a golden opportunity it just dropped in our lap to look at things differently yep. and, and do it differently. And I, I think the approach that you're taking right now, Kevin, is – so important and going to pay dividends in the future. Well, it's it started really last year when when uh, we decided to bring some of the students in from the training to uh, in the winter time. So we actually brought them in for a week, and that was awesome. And we think that we can actually roll that into a little more in the winter. So maybe we'll train people a little bit this summer, have them work the season, and then bring them in in the winter time when they've made the investment. We know they're going to stay with the company and put the investment on that end, maybe. So we're looking at it differently, which is awesome. And this also creates an opportunity for me where I'm not going to the schools and stuff to now I'm um, basically every week the ops team comes up with where they'd like me to go to work with people. And now I'm just getting out in the field and, and working with uh, with anybody they kind of point out to me. And and uh, that's where, we're, where I'm at right now. So that's the question I got is, is I think a lot of times people say, well, Kevin's a company mentor. And that's not really what we want your role to be because we want mentors to be on the jobs. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, a, a, an experienced operator can mentor a young oh, yeah. guy, a young laborer, yeah. uh, or a young foreman. Yeah, 
Um, Herb, everybody can be a mentor in some way or form. Um, a laborer can be a mentor. Even 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 some of the people we just recently trained can mentor the new laborers that come in um, and help them along the way. Definitely operators can be mentors. So we've talked a lot about, I have talked a lot about bringing value. Mm-hmm. And bringing value doesn't necessarily mean work harder. No, nope, not at it, all. It means helping each other. Yeah. And so... You know, these senior operators, senior foremen, senior superintendents, senior laborers spending time uh, helping the others. Just it brings value to each other and it, it'll return. Definitely. Definitely. I, I appreciate having these conversations with Kevin because he's very passionate about what he does. And, and I share that passion that you mentioned the mentoring isn't just Kevin. It's 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 all of us. And if you're an experienced person out there, especially some new person's watching you. They're watching you when they're on a job. They're watching how you oh, yeah. not just operate equipment or, or run a job. They're watching how you conduct yourself. They're watching all those type of things that go into just what you do in the course of a day. And I, uh, I'm i grateful that the company makes this type of investment because not a lot of companies do. And I think it's a, a real positive thing. Um, but to me, it's about us all being owners here. We're all employee owners. Yeah. And it's about this place being better. Yeah. And, I think sometimes people lose sight of the fact that we all do own this. This place is yeah. ours to control. It really is the case. So I, I do also know that some of this mentorship comes from from Tim. Some of your uh, group's visits to the field. I you know I talked to Bob Leland last fall. I think it was, and he was on a job and uh, in Bangor, and just the way they had set their pump up. You know, there's some guys that weren't didn't have a lot of experience, but the way they had set their pump up and the direction the exhaust was pointing wasn't probably ideal. And, you know, Bob took the time to explain it to him. And, and that's that sort of stuff is really important, yeah. regardless of who it is. Exactly. And field mechanics as well, uh, helping operators or new, new, new trainee operators get through the situations that they get into and helping them along is uh, paramount. We ask field mechanics to uh, do all they can to help those guys out. Yeah, if I could jump in on that. Um, that's one thing about mentoring. You know, foremen can be very busy at times, and they might direct somebody to do something. And I'm always looking for teachable moments out there. That's mm. that's what I do, and that's what we all should be looking at, you know, looking at the situation. But I'll, I have the time, whereas the foreman's worried about a million things or the superintendent where I can actually explain why they're doing what they're doing or, or, or why they've directed them to do it that way. And if we can all get to a little bit more of sometimes maybe taking that step back and actually explain it to them a little better, like setting the pump up and stuff, and, and that's just going to help them a little more. That's all. To, to Okay, that's why I'm doing that, not just because I was told to. So you and I have been working together for close to 40 years. Yep. And, uh, you know, when I left and started Sergeant Sergeant, my first phone call was to Kevin Gordon. <laughs> and one of the reasons was uh, I needed somebody to pace me. <laughs> that's the truth i needed somebody to 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 try to make sure i wouldn't let them down and uh as as you go out in the field i know there's a lot of people in the company that don't know you have never met you because you spent most of your time right in the bangor area um but i i know that there's not a person out there with more passion about the work and more knowledge about the work and who's whose blood begins to flow when he starts seeing light bulbs come on yeah, definitely. with with younger people. And so your your 
part in the company to me is is really important. I know you work with a lot of training foremen and younger guys. Is that your 100% focus? No, not at all, Herb. I, I work with anybody, really. Anybody that, you know, uh, anybody that shows this motivated, wants to learn, um, and, and has some passion, I'm going to work with them, and I'm going to teach them all I can. And, for instance, I have been working with some younger foremen the past few weeks, but there's also younger laborers working with them, and I've been jumping right in with them and helping them and just kind of make their lives a little easier. Everybody works hard, but sometimes you need to step, t- take a step back and look at it and say, what are we trying to accomplish here? Yeah. And we talk about it's That's working. important to step back and get a bigger view of things. It's, it's huge, Herb. You, you've always stated it to me. Get up on that higher stockpile or the ledge cut and take a look at it. You get a totally different perspective of, of the operation. Well, the laborers can do the same thing. If I'm down in the trench shoveling or I see somebody shoveling the trench, I walk up and I'm looking at it from a little different perspective and I'll, I'll come down to them and I'll talk, start talking to them and what are we trying to accomplish? And then, well, let's take a look at this. How can we do it easier? Everybody worked plenty hard enough. We wanted to take a step back and think it through and work the smarter, not the harder because people work plenty so hard I, enough. I think that's so important and, and I think folks have heard me talk about slowing down and that's yeah. ex- you just yeah. – I'm not always great with uh, words and trying to trying to get it out there, but you just encapsulated what I mean by slow it down. That yep. you have to stand back, yep. be planned out, and it helps you with safety. It helps you with production. Oh, yeah. By slowing down, you often end up going faster because you're just that much more methodical sure. with what you end up doing. Yep. So, and Herb Herb, you know, talks to me a lot about situational awareness, and that's a lot of what we do. Yeah, amen. And when yeah. I walk onto a site, of course, I have a different perspective. I got to give Tim Folster credit for. For noticing that situational awareness thing. That's one of the things he said is we're really weak on that. Yeah, yeah, and, and it is. But I look at it from a different perspective because I just come onto a site and they're in the heat of the bat moment. They need to take that step back and look at it. What's the situation going on? How's it going to end if I can continue on this course? And how can we maybe change it to make it better, safer? So, so speaking of safety, let's roll into that. Sure. Um, so we did have a safety stand down yesterday, the second one kind of of the year, but the first one that was really live. And we had scheduled that out two or three months ago. We decided we're going to have one of those every month because we got a pretty good response. Uh, I think people really appreciated it last year. That's the feedback that we got. Um, as of yesterday at the safety stand down, we reported that we had two OSHA recordables to date. Unfortunately, we had one individual who who suffered a minor injury, but it was OSHA recordable uh, on Thursday, but we didn't know it was OSHA recordable until yesterday. So we now have three, and uh, I believe that was down in Portland, wasn't it? It was. The Purple Street Project. Project, yep. So we now have three OSHA recordables, and I don't have the OSHA recordable rate number from Adam yet because it's, well, we started this at 7 a.m., and and he hadn't gotten the man hours. Uh, So I just want to recap yesterday's safety stand down and, and, what we really want, and Eric just said it, slow down a little bit to try to to try to make sure we approach things safer. I guess the you know we had Justin and Adam in yesterday on the safety stand down, and they talked a little bit about their incident back in February. And I'll say it again. I'll probably beat this idea up, but you know, ask them if they'd had somebody on their shoulder that said you you know somebody's going to get hurt pretty bad today or there's going to be a pretty big hazard, what would you do? And what they said was they're going to turn around and go home, and, and I, but they can't do that every day, right? They got, someday we've got to face the, face the work. What they'd have done is they'd have made sure that they exhausted every possibility to, 
to get rid of all the hazards. Those two guys, I said it yesterday, they've got it in their heart now. And that's been one of my one of my rallying cries here is I think intellectually we understand that we want zero accidents, but but I don't think we approach the job. Everybody doesn't approach the job. There are many that do. And they look around the circle in the morning and they say, I'm not going to let these guys get hurt today. And we just really all need to uh, need to do better with that, including me. You know, I, so I'm, I'm going to take ownership in that. Every once in a while, I'll come on a job and things are kind of hectic and, and there's things that I feel might not be ideal from a hazard prevention standpoint. But because there's, you know, there's a, a lot of hectic activity going on, I don't step in. And it's, it's our job, and that's my commitment, is that I will step in. I don't care if we get the next piece of pipe in or if we get the next load of dirt moved. We need to, we need to, be, that, we need to be that guy. I think we can all take ownership in that, Herb, and I, I say the exact same thing. And uh, I think inherently we're all built to get things done. That's just our nature. It's just such a little tweak of the mind. It's not a huge, huge, like, earth-shattering life change to just put safety in the forefront. It's just that little tweak of the mind to be thinking about it all the time and make it part of your planning. And there is a lot going on on jobs at times. It can get very hectic. But that's all the more reason for in those times to say, okay, let's just stop and stand back and, and take a look. Because um, you can kick up a lot of dust, but what happens when the dust settles? Is it done? Is it done safely? Is it done properly? And uh, being a safe and quality company is going to carry us through any difficult time that comes in the future. That's correct. And, you know, and I know um, in my past, I've always been, it's always been production first, always now I find myself, and it's probably why I get a funny look from some of the people who used to work with me, I find myself <laughs> taking a look at it first of from safety when I walk onto an item. And we look at that first and we talk about those and those, those things we can change to make it safer. So it, it's got to be a change in everybody's mind. And definitely, of course, some of our safest years have also been some of our most productive in, in years. So um, I believe safe companies are profitable hand. companies. Yeah, Absolutely. Definitely. So we've asked our crew to have the head pretty much on a swivel looking around wherever they are to see what those safety issues could be. If it's not dealing directly with something they're dealing with or if somebody else is, please bring it to their attention. Def definitely, yes. Yep. That's the necessity. Just keep everybody watching out for each other. Yep. So I'm going to move on to shout-outs here. So I want to thank, again, Justin Day and Adam Moon for for joining us on, this, on the safety stand-down yesterday. I promised them that was the last time <laughs> that we'd lean on them for that. And those two guys, you know, really had a good story to tell. And, you know, and it, I get a lump in my throat every time I talk to those guys about it. And I want to I wanna throw a shout out to somebody I haven't talked to for quite a while, but uh, one of those mentors, I think, that's, that's changed his approach. Uh, we had a conversation about a year ago, and that's Stevie Renault. And he's, he's the type of person that really needs to and has stepped in to to helping mentor, along with along with a lot of other guys. So I've got in front of me a list of anniversaries, May anniversaries, and I'm just going to rattle off a few operators that have been here for a while. Uh, Dan Whipple, Dave Sinclair, Brian Loisel, Chris Doerr, Ken Thurlow, Matt Hatch, uh, and there's many more that have been that have May uh, anniversaries. That's a pretty solid group, though. A pretty a solid of... group, and and these guys, I believe, do a good job to make sure that that we're teaching 
down through. A so, lot of really good experience there. Oh, yeah. Excellent experience there. And, and many more that have been with us a much longer time that also have great experience. Uh, Kevin, you got any anybody you want to talk yeah, about? Yeah, I, got, I got a few people here. About one, one is uh, Richie Otis. Richie uh, is down at the Portland Jetport, and we uh, have a new hire uh, foreman, Trent Cullinan, that uh, hired on this week. And Richie's uh, spending a, a lot of time with him and working with him and helping uh, mold him and hopefully uh, bring him up to speed very quickly. Also, uh, Kendall Bickford mentioned to me that uh, Jackson Blaze down in uh, Portsmouth is doing a an awesome job on Steve Randall's crew down there. Glad to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. No, Jackson was a SCA 2018, and um, Kendall says he's he's jumping right in and taking care of business and hoping to gain some more responsibility, which we can give him all. That's, that's what we sure. want. It sure is. A few others. Um, Kendall also mentioned Lyman Frost and uh, Darren Flewelling. They were working down on his site, and he said Kendall said. The guys are awesome. Um, you know, Tim, I want you to know, you know already from base camp, but uh, MD, uh, MTAs, maintenance task assessments, uh, Kendall says they were, they were immaculate and they shared them with the crew and stuff and did just what we want them to do. Really glad to hear that. Yeah, that's awesome. And so good, good job, guys. Keep it up. That's that's impressive. A few more if I could, Herb, real quick. Derek, Derek Hurst. Derek's been a tremendous resource for me all along, but um, – when I'm out working with people, uh, I had I had a laborer I was working with this week that had some aches and pains and stuff, so I contacted Derek. He gave me some stretches that I was able to print off and give to the laborer, as well as this particular laborer is uh, interested in, in quitting tobacco and stuff. So Derek gave me a bunch more information, and um, you know he's all over it when I uh, when I asked for him. So awesome, good job, keep it up, Derek. Well, he's it's been a great resource for yeah. uh, close to 13 years now, and we just need to lean on him more, and he wants to be yeah, leaned definitely. on more. I, I totally agree. One more, one more, Herb. The entire Portland Jetport crew, Troy Harvey's got a tiger by the tail down there. He's got a very tight schedule. Eric, you mentioned me when I went down there. They have a lot of moving parts going on, and uh, Troy's all over it, but the whole crew as well. Um, Troy's pretty much doing double duty right now, and uh, and he's got a very tight schedule. But uh, I know with that crew down there, they're going to knock it out, and they're doing a really good job. Should be a nice job for us. Yeah. Appreciate the effort. Eric, what do you yeah. got? Well, I, I, I will circle back to Richie Otis just for a minute and uh, appreciate his uh, mentorship down there. Kevin said he just jumped right in and yeah. no problem. And Richie also took a step up to a senior foreman uh, this year. So congratulations, Richie. And yes, sir. We had had some uh, conversations last year, and uh, Richie worked extremely hard out there in Rangeley in many places, and he's he's become a, a, someone that guys can lean on. So I appreciate that effort. Awesome. Coming from Sean Milligan, uh, he, he – Wanted me to be sure that I mentioned Tim Blaze and his crew down in Rochester. Tim stepped into that job after it had already been started, and Matt Tebow had been down there last year, So, and it's been seamless. So I appreciate Tim uh, Tim jumping in there. And great to hear Jackson's doing doing well as, as well. A uh, couple others, uh, guys at the asphalt plant. Uh, I mentioned Donnie and Ed and, and Dustin and Tony Adams and all those guys getting ready to start off a busy spring and putting a lot of projects in place. Appreciate their help. Heather Hutchinson, certainly appreciate Heather's efforts. Um, it's been a, a unique time. Her world has changed, too. Uh, you think about doing interviews, and she can't do these in person because of the situation that we're in, so she's having to adjust how she does things, and uh, she's been a tremendous support to, to operations. Lastly, uh, you know, you get a lot of people that are kind of behind the scenes that make things happen and just do it seamlessly and without a complaint and without a lot of fanfare, and Want to give a shout out to uh, Gail Tebow on the field cost manager side. She's been a steadying force, and uh, getting that whole Bangor group into this office has been so critical to improving communication and improving a lot of things. And 
Uh, Gil's been a nice addition to that, so thank you to her. And uh, lastly, I, I want to thank the two gentlemen sitting here with you and I, Herb, both Kevin and Tim. They've been phenomenal to work with, very supportive with anything. Well, they're not we getting do. done today. It's not like we're having <laughs> no, no, not done. I hope they're not done today. I didn't bring my, uh, I didn't bring my yeah. lunch. <laughs> but they, uh, no they, one told me to bring my lunch pail. They've been very supportive and. Uh, you know, anytime you ask him to do something, these guys don't bat an eye, and, yep. and I couldn't that appreciate is, the support. That's absolutely more. the truth. And the last thing I wanted to mention, you know, Kevin touched upon it, and we've all had mentors in our life, and I find it kind of funny when we ask people who a mentor is, and some people can't even think if they've had a mentor, but they have at some point in time. But uh, a guy that meant a lot to me in my life that helped me uh, helped me out a lot over the last few years especially told me once that the only way we keep what we have is by giving it away. And I think that's, uh, to me, it was a powerful message that stuck with me, and that's that's what we all need to do as people. We're not training our replacements just, but we're, we're handing off knowledge to the next generation and trying to leave this place better than we found it. So Generosity rarely works against you. I have found that to be completely true. That's yeah. a, a very simple but true statement. So, But thank you guys for the efforts, and uh, just thank you to everybody out there. Keep keep doing what you do. Yes, Tim? After last week's uh, network issues that we had here in Stillwater, I want to shout out to uh, Carrie Sheehan and Jason Light and Tasha Gardner and Allison Doherty for all that they did to get us our paychecks last week. Uh, I know that was a daunting task for them, and they did an awesome job to get it. Pretty important thing. and I'll tell you, these guys, you talk about there's a chance that our people won't get paid. You don't want to be the brick wall in front of them. I got to say, when they hit... That whole, it wasn't a matter of getting bogged down. They hit another gear and just exactly grabbed it and went. They went right into overdrive. They definitely yep. did. Yep. Also, uh, Sergeant Materials, I know they have some mixer drivers working out of uh, the Hancock facility uh, servicing the wind towers, and I know they're putting in some long days, and as well as a couple of our mechanics that are helping them out, uh, Neil Merrill and Ryan Kennedy driving for them this week and i understand that there's been some real late late nights down there so yeah matt tardiff and the crew are really working yeah, hard. They've, yeah they've put in some long days with some some big placements yep if i could or one one last one i uh, up here in the office here i know denise gallup she's been just coming on board she's been tremendous she went to some career fairs with us and jumped right into it with heather and i as well as uh, benefits whenever I have questions or I have employees, I also can direct them to her, and she's a tremendous resource as well and doing a good job. I'm appreciative. Yeah, she's, she's been doing great. We miss Karen greatly, and yep. and Denise jumped in, and she's uh, her attitude about how to help is, you know, second she to none. She gets it. Yep, definitely. So Justin Porter sent me up a couple. We've got a new foreman named Ed Harris who's working for Tom Cahoon down in Virginia, and then – we're doing some work, some TNM work at a landfill in Upper Piedmont, North Carolina. Uh, so we do occasionally get down in North Carolina. We got Chris Powell, Aaron Maribel, Jake Little, and Daryl Jones down there working. So a good batch of shout-outs. Uh, I think uh, it's it's really encouraging to to hear about the jobs. I've been out one day. I almost snuck out yesterday, <laughs> but I just couldn't make it happen. Um, I've been out one day, but I'm, I'm going to make a commitment to get out a little bit more. So a lot of great things going on. We will have some challenges. I can guarantee you as 2020 wraps up and we get into 21, the market is going to be much more difficult than it is right now. Uh, so we're keeping an eye on that. Uh, I also, I guess I, I mentioned earlier, we're going to have a, an, an equipment guessing game. 
And Tim, you we listed two or three pieces here, but we're going to guess the price on a piece of equipment. Correct. What, what are we going to guess on? How about a 330 cat? A, a brand new 330 cat. Correct. Without any buckets or anything. W- with no buckets. So Nothing. it's just bare stick. Yep. So a brand new 330 cat. Correct. And if you've got a guess on how much that goes for, how much we pay for a new 330 cat, you can reply to the text you received with the podcast and Derek will put those numbers together. And superintendents and foremen are excluded? Yeah, superintendents and foremen are disqualified. <laughs> and if you ask one of them, they can't tell you because we already did this with them back in March. Correct. Yeah. So this is for non-foremen, non-superintendents. Give us your guess on what a brand new 330 cat cost. And you shouldn't be able to Google it and all that business. You ought to just text it right back. With that, that's gonna cl- re- closest without going over, right? Closest without going over. All so right, what do they win, Herb? What do they win? $25 gift certificate to Amazon. So not a Cat 330. No, they don't win the Cat 330. <laughs> <laughs> um, we might get a little model. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Just um, So with that, I want to thank you guys. Thank you, Herb. Thank you. It's been a, been a good time. Look, see what we did. We said we we're going to go a half hour and we're 52 minutes right now. It goes in a hurry. It does. Yeah. When you're having fun. So everybody out there, thank you for, for coming out and doing what you do with us. Uh, we can't be prouder of everything that we accomplish. With that said, we always know we can do better, and that's our job to do better. And I wouldn't want to try to do better or try to get the things done without the crew we have inside Sergeant Corp and Sergeant Materials. Amen. So thank you. Zero accidents. And we're going to wrap it up with zero accidents. Thank you, Tim. Thank you.